you already accepted the community rewatch episode two i'm jonathan that's ethan i'm ethan (laughs) (laughs) all right today we're covering seasons episode sorry excuse me season one episode three and episode four introduction of film and social psychology great episode uh, not great episodes but we'll talk about it we'll see about it ethan what would you say is your big takeaway for season one episode three let's start there yeah so for introduction to film i i feel like this episode i just for me the takeaway was like thinking about the beauty of everyday life that's something that like professor whitman is trying to get you know jeff to to understand and like that's the point of the class that he's in carpe diem and like it sounds cheesy but i feel like that's kind of like a good reminder of watching this this episode and I, I think that's kind of maybe the one of the main themes for me is especially when you look at jeff and really it's like i think a theme for the whole show in general like jeff is has this plan to like come into greendale kind of just breeze his way through the classes and like get his degree so he can like go back to being a lawyer um he's more focused on already what's like coming up and what's ahead he's not really focusing on the moment and especially here early on still in the show he's not really super focused on just living day to day and enjoying life. Um, we're starting to see that a little more, you know, throughout the, this early first season. But I think in general for the show and for this episode, the whole idea of, I think that there's something, there's some beauty to be found in even the small everyday moments. And sometimes we are so focused on the big picture, you know, especially me, I'm a planner. I look to the future and a lot, and I'm thinking about what's coming up next and, you know, trying to stay three steps ahead of everything. But sometimes we just got to stop and, smell the roses, you know, and like, just enjoy the moment that we're in, enjoy, enjoy the day that we're, that we're in. Um, I think that's one of the key takeaways um, for this episode for me, just because um, it's kind of a joke that like Whitman's trying to get Jeff to, to be more like, you know, living in the moment. But I think that's also like an important, like, I think it's actually also a a good takeaway, even though it is kind of used as a, um, for humor in this episode. Um, I think you kind of see Jeff maybe start to kind of learn what that means a little bit. I mean, he doesn't really do it like for real. He's trying to just get the A, but um, I think he probably learns something about that by the end of this episode. No, I like that, um, especially that like Kenny, what you said in the middle there of being able to like be in the moment. And as we kind of see Jeff and the rest of the group progress, you know, at the ending, like Jeff is almost stuck in the moment of Greendale where like people are moving on and people are doing so, doing different things and thinking of different ideas. And he kind of wants to almost still be there. And so it almost, it almost kind of creates a flip as the, as the series goes on. And I, and I bet too, because even like with the beast, the B story of Abed, where like Abed's, Abed's um, assignment is a documentary, right? It's not this hyper stylized, like make a, you know, make a great moment or whatever. It's, you know look at real life right well, that's kind of what documentaries are kind of meant to do yeah. And so yeah no i like that idea of like yeah staying in the moment creating that thirst for it and again jeff's not going to listen to that now but as a series a series goes on it kind of becomes more real to him um for me i'd probably say like my big takeaway is this idea of like perception because i kind of saw it without the within the different storylines like i feel like as we know about jeff and as we kind of see this you know slowly taken down and changed like jeff is obviously hyper aware of his perception right uh the whitman has the joke in there it's like how long did it take you to look like you have bed head like it's <laughs> it's just one of those like little like things that like oh yeah jeff is hyper aware of how he looks how he's perceived um and that we'll we'll see how the story and the show plays with that. Um, but it kind of makes sense, you know, when you're hyper aware of what everybody thinks of you, you're not really able to seize the day. Like you're not really able to live in the moment. Um, and I and I love that line that Whitman says where he's like, you know, kiss a middle, kiss a woman in the middle of the day or run naked through a puddle, but do it for yourself. I remember watching that. Yeah. I was just sitting like in my living room watching. That. I'm like, dang, that hurt a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, He's talking to Jeff, but he's also talking to everybody watching the show at the same time. Like it's yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> come on, Whitman. You know, don't call me out like that. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like you know, it's that class, the, that classic idea of like all the world's a stage. 
in the sense of we all kind of play into the sense of like, oh, we want to, you know, look like this or act like this. And it's kind of this weird meta question of like, oh, do we ever actually ever do anything for ourselves? And it's, I don't know, it was, it was, yeah, a little challenging, a little, a little, a little like, oh, okay, you know, <laughs> focus on Jeff, don't focus on me, you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, um, no, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's good. That's a good catch. Like, I, I think I agree with you to some extent and kind of like I mentioned with, with living for yourself, but yeah, I mean, it's in Jeff's case, he's, he's trying to live for other people's affection. He's not just living for his own enjoyment of things. And I think you can, you know, make that argument that like Jeff is even the things that he does, it's, it's all kind of a show. You know, I don't think he's really, maybe he's confident in his abilities, but I don't think he's like fully confident in himself, you know, as a person. Um, and again, like you said, like as the show goes on, like we start to see that more fleshed out with Jeff and like, he does have some issues. Like he has issues with his father growing up and uh, he probably isn't as like secure with himself as like he seems to be right now, you know? Um, so I, yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good catch. And I think it's a good takeaway for this episode. Um, I didn't know community was going to teach us anything, but here we yeah. are. <laughs> the more, you know, exactly. <laughs> it is a school, you know what I mean? You know, it's, uh, it's supposed yeah. to learn something. <laughs> yeah. All right. Extra credit. Little things we noticed, trivia type things. Um, obviously, throughout the episode, there's a little bit of a reference and homage to Robin Williams. Um, they have a Dead Poet, Dead Poet Society reference uh, about Whitman uh, near the beginning, near his near his uh, near his first appearance. And, and Jeff, he's actually in the lunchroom scene. He's wearing a costume really similar to Robin uh, that Robin Williams wore in, in uh, Mork and Mindy, which is kind of fun. Um, the actor that plays the guy that brings in the seven lattes is like a side character from Breaking Bad. This is, I guess Breaking Bad was already on TV, but I'm not sure if he already made his debut on that show. So this is 09, but he kind of plays like a similar role, which is kind of fun. And the, the professor character, Whitman, kind of plays a similar role. Did you ever see um, the Jim Carrey movie, Yes Man? I feel like I have. It's probably, I think it's been a long time since it's I saw kind it. Of a, it's kind of a fun one. Like it's... It's Jim Carrey, Do Joe, uh, Zoe Deschanel are like the two leads. It's probably the last, hmm, it's probably the last like major Jim Carrey comedy in a in a weird way. Like it was, because this was like 09 that it came out. So it was, you know, this is way past you know, Ace Ventura and Cableman and, it, and it, kind of all his, his more famous stuff. This was kind of near the tail end of like his pure comedy run um past bruce almighty but the professor character professor whitman kind of plays a similar role um in in yes man as, as he does in this which is kind of fun uh so ethan what you got for extra credit yeah so going back to uh the guy that plays the the latte character or the the coffee guy he's also in the next episode as well um he's one of fawn's stoner friends so he, he appears in back-to-back -back episodes i don't know like i'm assuming it's supposed to be the same character like this guy delivers coffee like in his free time and then also like hangs out and plays hacky sack and like gets high, I guess, <laughs> in his free time. Uh, but he's also Zeke from The Office, uh, Dwight's cousin and, and yes. Shrewd's older brother. Uh, so that's actually how I, I knew him when I saw him in this episode. Uh, kind of a, you know, that guy character. Uh, yeah. And then uh, something I noticed too, I don't know if you caught this, but in the scene with Pierce and Troy where they're in the library and, and Pierce sits down and is like telling Troy about like sneezing and he has these two cans of soda that he sits uh, down on the table. There's like a moment where like, like you see a couple of shots of the two cans of soda and they're like, they're obviously like intact. Like he just got them from the vending machine and he sat them down. And then like the very end of that scene, they show him again. And like one of them is like crushed and like, obviously it looks like it looks like it's been drank. So I just thought that was kind of odd. I just kind of a goof, I guess, in shooting. And then something else I, I thought that was weird in this episode that we don't see any other time, I think, throughout the series is, is Britta sits in a different spot. She sits to Jeff's left. It's like with him on the same side of the table whenever Abed's shooting part of his movie with, with Jeff and Britta. When the scene when she yeah. gets up and leaves the room, she's sitting to Jeff's left. And I don't know if that's like something we didn't see where like Abed asks her to sit there so he can film them. But it just looks weird because like the rest of the show, like they have their spots. You know, Britta sits next to Abed. And Jeff sits by himself at the top of the table. But I just thought that was weird. And then, you know, we do get a little bit of a hint of, like, Annie's crush on Troy in this episode, where 
you know, she says she's not going to sign up for the class that Jeff's talking about. And then Troy says he's going to sign up for it. And then he's like, oh, okay, I'll do it. So I'm kind of getting a hint of that. That's kind of a minor storyline later on in the series or later on in the season, not to get ahead of ourselves too much. But those are just a few things that I noticed in this episode that were interesting going back to this one. There's there's some stuff. This episode's like kind of forgettable. I feel like just because like it's right after the like the pilot in the second episode, it's like you're now into the show. And watching this like again, I there was some of the plot line that I honestly had forgotten, I guess. Like it's not one I I remembered the whole plot with Jeff and the class with Professor Whitman uh, and him like trying to do all these crazy things. But like the rest of the episode, um, especially like with Pierce and Troy with the sneezing, like that's not a storyline, I guess. I remembered watching this episode. So it must have been a long time since I seen this episode. You know, same. I completely forgot about the sneezing. I I do remember the Abed like family video that he makes at the end but i couldn't remember if this was this episode or a different one and it kind of you know it's kind of one of those season one plots that kind of just could fall into a bunch of episodes but it works well here i guess we'll do this quickly because you as you mentioned we you know it it kind of grows more as the season grows with the annie and troy thing i remember like really rooting for that and even on rewatches like i did a rewatch i think a few years ago probably a couple years ago and I remember being like, oh, that could, that could kind of work. Now, at the same time, I say that I think that Annie, if they were going to give her anybody, I think like season six Abed and Annie would totally worked. But that's just me. Like, that's kind of a personal thing. But what I guess what are your, I guess, preliminary thoughts on Annie and Troy? Like what what could have that been? What, did you like that? Even like even that hinting of anything? What do you think? So, I mean, early on, like if I was watching this show from the beginning again, like first time, never seen it before, you know, I could see it, especially because I feel like in this first season and early on, like Troy doesn't really have a, like a plotted out storyline yet. He's kind of just a character there and even Annie to some extent, but we do kind of see her start to develop her own character development. Um, So like, it it kind of feels like it makes sense in this first season, just because we do have like later on down the road like that review of like i guess we got it in like the first episode where like they did they went to school together it's like they're the same age they know each other but like then there's like the review later of like they were at the party whenever you know troy did the keg stand and like andy i think like fell through like a, a sliding door or something right is that if i remember that right it's like there's some like mm-hmm. backstory between them so they knew each other um and like i think it would have been would have been interesting just because they're so similar in age but i i think looking back now i'm glad that they didn't try to force it because i like the growth annie is not the same person she was in high school and neither is troy and i think if you would have tried to put them together in a relationship at greendale it would have kind of i think limited their growth as characters of who they are outside of high school you know they're not the people they were in the past they've come to greendale and they've changed and so to that extent like they're not hanging on to that high school friendship that they had now they are friends in greendale but it's a different kind of friendship than what you know, they didn't have a friendship in high school, really, because he was the quarterback and she was a nerd. But I, I think I'm glad that they didn't do anything with, with Troy and Annie. I like the friendship aspect. Um, I'm happy that they didn't try to shoehorn a relationship in there just because they were the same age. No, and kind of adding to that, I think that's something that this show does a really good job at. Because I think, again, if this was just another show on NBC or whatever network, I think that I think there would have been a couple shoehorned in relationships. And of course, Jeff and Britta, especially in these endings early on seasons, kind of have this sort of like will they won't they kind of thing. But even that, like, I never felt like, oh, this show needs the drama of if is Jeff and Britta gonna end up together this week? Like this show doesn't really rely on that or need that. And then like adding to that, it never uses like fake breakup drama either or like fake oh we got in this huge argument kind of drama it 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 really kind of focuses on like it's it's larger themes um it's comedy like, well you know how is how is it trying to make you laugh that week and that's a that's something again re-watching and just uh spending time thinking about the show i'm like oh i really like that that like it's not trying to rely on simple romance which again it's, it can it's fun and like it's exciting and seeing characters together but it you know it's it's trying to be more than that which is really nice all right, A plus scenes. I'm gonna start this one off. I got Troy. <laughs> so when uh, Troy sneezes for the first time and everybody hears it, and Jeff's like, "Hey, Troy sneezes like a girl." And how about you pound you like a boy? That didn't come out right. <laughs> uh, that's so good. Um, Classic Troy. 
it's kind of funny because like i remember watching a video just on like community fandom and stuff like that and the whole troy trope of like being like do they do things to your butt is like is like really remembered by fans which for me maybe it's just because like i'm not a big fan of like like toilet humor slash like butt humor that like it just doesn't stick with me but um like anytime i use troy like this where it's like they, they flip stuff on him or like it's just like him not quite understanding things it's like the you, you guys can say this all you want i know that popping the back of a raft makes it go fat like that's that's so good but that's a great one probably my favorite line of this episode uh purse uh sorry pierce saying to shirley i was really moved by your honesty particularly uh particularly the part about your husband not being and he kind of like does like a like a short thing with his fingers when <laughs> when professor whitman uh, confronts shirley in that in that in one of those opening scenes uh that's this again a little sneaky line by pierce but it really works um the scene when abed uh the scene where we meet where we first meet abed's dad i i just think it's a great scene overall like i'm i uh the way it's shot the 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 jokes within it um favorite line in that one abed's dad says to jeff you go host american idol and you stop messing with my son talking to britta uh just got me cracking up um i, I just thought that that scene overall was really strong and it really has like a, lot, a bunch of cool dynamics in the sense of like jeff's trying trying to bring britta out of it britta's trying to confront abed's dad abed's just trying to shoot his movie and like obviously we see the um uh, the the results of that later in the episode but i just thought that was really strong so uh what you got a plus no, scene. I, I agree that that scene is a great scene i think like cinema what am i trying to say like shooting wise i don't know what the word i'm trying to say is it, it just is a, like it's some great shooting and i think like the back and forth dialogue i think that's one of the things that community does well is like the jokes land yeah like a lot of series have good joke writing it's like the dialogue and the conversations between the characters and like confrontations or just like when they're talking like the fact that they can shoehorn jokes into those conversations but like also have like a conversation that moves the story along like that's a hard thing to do and i mm -hmm. think that the scene is a great example of that where like there's real story like it's moving the story along because we're introduced to abed's dad and we're getting more of like you know britta and him are locking heads and jeff's trying to pull her out of it like you said like there's also some great jokes and some great lines i agree the like the line about uh like going to host american idol there's a couple of like ryan seacrest references for Jeff early on, which is kind of funny. I have a couple of other lines from that scene with Abed's dad too, that I want to add that I love. Um, one of them, I think it's like the very like beginning of that scene, Abed's talking to Britta and Jeff about his movie. And he says, our first assignment is a documentary. They're like real movies, but with ugly people. And he's shooting <laughs> Britta, like videoing her during that. It's just like, I don't know. It's a really funny, I, I think, line because I love documentaries but when you think about it like I know Abed is just being Abed and like that's just the way he's saying it but like it's just funny to say that like normal people oh they're ugly people they're not actors there's something about that line that gets me um and then at the end of that you know which we get later in like Abed's film you know where Jeff's like I don't want to be your father and Abed's like great you already know your lines I, that's <laughs> there's a great Abed's got some good like comebacks I guess or I don't know not comebacks but um some great responses and some great one-liners and I like the character of Abed. Um, so yeah, that's a great scene though. I the introduction with Abed's dad and like the confrontation where like Britta's about to like throw hands with, you know, this like middle-aged guy that's like her friend's dad. I don't know. It's just Britta's crazy mm. and it's a little bit like overbearing in this episode, but you gotta respect what she's trying to do. In terms of like a couple other scenes that I thought were really good, or other lines, I guess. Um, another classic Abed line was 9-11 was pretty much the 9-11 of the falafel business <laughs> it's <laughs> it's just uh i don't know the more you think about it it's it's kind of tragic to think about but it's it's funny at the same time and like 9-11 jokes don't usually work but that one works in a nice you know it's not not too dark yeah it, it feels like it's it's kind of cushy like obviously it's a terrible terrible uh, uh tragic event but yeah in the way they they frame it it's like oh that's pretty cushy and like okay it's just falafels you know it's not... yeah 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 <laughs> it works it just hits you know um and mm. then i you know i like the the introduction with whitman i think coming into the classroom like that's just a great scene and then later on I'm like they're all in the class and he tells them to get up on the desks like in the the dead poet society callback and like somebody falls off a desk um, which I, I couldn't tell when i was watching was that britta that fell off the desk or was that somebody else that was an that was an extra. 
Yeah, okay, I kept just, looking at that too because I was like, is she supposed to be like significant? Maybe I don't know, but I, I was I was looking at for it too in the sense of like, are there any like sneaky actors like, oh, this guy was in this one episode of community and he ends up being like in Avenger or something like that, you know what I mean? Like, or like in the Avengers movies or something, but. I don't, th- I don't think there was any like sneaky like cameos or sneaky like oh this guy ends up being a super big actor or anything like that but not yet anyway maybe later yeah we get Brie Larson exactly they kept in Marvel later but <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right leading the class best of the Greendale seven in this episode I'd say Abed uh, I think really it is his coming out party he's the he's he's the emotional button of the show especially uh, near the end we get to see why but I just think you know, you see his quirkiness at full display. You see his personality. You see, you kind of see how like he understands the world, and it's it's pretty. And again, it does what community does so well, which is it's funny. Like they use him in a very funny way in this episode. But additionally, it has a lot of heart, and you end up being like, "Wow, Abed!" Like, no, I, I got to go with Abed as well. And I, I don't know if there's really anything else I can say that you didn't say. I just it's a great like character development episode for him we already saw some development with him like in the, the previous two episodes but i think this is a great one for him to really get a little bit of his backstory and like there's a lot more to flesh out with abba that we'll get later on in like the show and he's honestly probably has like one of the best i think in terms of fleshing out his character and his backstory like they do a great job of that throughout the show and i think this is a really important episode for that because we see that dynamic with him and his dad and his mom not being in the picture which obviously has a lot to do with who he is as a character and, and, you know, his, his love of TV and film. Like we kind of get a glimpse of early on of why he's so obsessed with TV and movies. Um, That's the way he expresses himself, you know, and, and he can't express himself the same way that some of the people can. Um, He has trouble expressing his emotions, but he is able to do it through film. I just think that like that great scene at the end with him and his dad, like after he watches the movie, which I don't know, whenever you watched it on Netflix, uh, but when I watched it, they didn't have the subtitles for like when he and his dad were speaking Arabic to each other, um, like what it translated to. But so I had to look it up. But um, his dad basically says, like, I never blamed you or I never said I blamed you for her leaving. And Abba says, you didn't have to say it. Like, it's that man, that hits hard. Like, Ooh. man, Ooh. you know, father son moment. Like that's that's a trope from TV, but like father son relationships. I mean, it's such a relatable thing at the same time, same time. Like you can't watch this episode and not get a little bit emotional seeing that. And that just that realization that I think Abed's dad has that he's been hard on Abed, uh, maybe a little bit too hard, like after, you know, his wife left, after Abed's mom left. But we also see like that relationship kind of get mended a little bit, um, which is, it's just, it's a tearjerker, you know, it's a great moment. Absolutely. Gosh. And you're right on Netflix. And they don't even have, oh, in Arabic language, it's just blank. And like, oh, that's, thanks for looking that up. That's good. Okay, for Marked and Red, this is kind of one of those, and this happens a lot in sitcoms and really any show, where it's it's kind of like, I call it the um, Ant-Man, like Ant-Man from uh, the Avengers movies. I call, I call it the Ant-Man uh, effect or the Ant-Man styling in the sense of Ant-Man is, is a movie that does nothing wrong, but nothing great um, in a lot of ways, where it's like, if because I remember like watching that movie and kind of reviewing it in my head, I'm like, Oh, okay. The characters were funny, not hilarious. The acting was good, not great. The plot was fun, you know, not particularly intriguing, and all these other things. It's like, in a lot of ways, Ant Man doesn't do anything wrong. It's 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 the Mac Jones of of Marvel movies, right? It's it's it, it's not gonna. It's not doesn't offend anybody, you know. Doesn't throw too many interceptions. It just kind of comes to work. It and gets the job does, done. <laughs> exactly. If you need a quarterback for your week, you know. <laughs> but it doesn't. You know, it's not Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't do anything great. It doesn't do anything special. And I think about this episode in a lot of ways. It has. Again, we just talked about the moment with Alvin and his dad that's you know a pretty that's a pretty special moment but overall the episode doesn't do anything particularly special for me and but at the same time doesn't really do anything wrong it's just a solid probably seven and a half maybe maybe eight if i'm on the right day kind of episode what about you yeah i don't have anything that i didn't like about this episode uh, no nitpicks or, any, or anything i agree it's just it's a it's a meh episode uh you know it's not bad i don't hate it um there's nothing that I really even like dislike about this episode. Like, you know, I think the characters all have, there's some good lines. I think there's good storyline. Um, you even kind of get like, like three different storylines. You, you know, you get, um, you know, Jeff with like professor Whitman's class and then 
uh, Britta and Abed and Abed's dad with his movie making. And then you also get Pierce and Troy, which is kind of like a funny underrated storyline as well, where like they, that dynamic between Pierce and Troy is kind of always a weird relationship in the show, but I also kind of like their friendship that we see kind of develop throughout the show. Um, so there's some good like storylines. Yeah, I agree. It's just kind of a meh, you know, it gets the job done. There's nothing wrong with it, but there's not like anything that stands out to me that makes this episode like a super, like I said, I don't really remember much of this episode, I guess. Cause I, it, it's just a kind of a forgettable one. Yeah. I'm okay with it. All right. On to social psychology season one, episode four. My big takeaway for this one is the idea of using friendships. I feel like that's kind of the big like theme, if you will. Um, or the active theme. So like Jeff is using his friendship with Shirley to vent about his feelings against Vaughn. Obviously, Britta and Vaughn kind of have their moment, uh, have one of their moments within this episode. And at first, Shirley Shirley is, you know, nice to Jeff. And, you know, they want to have like this little chat or she wants to have this little chat on their way to the next class. And Jeff's like, I have no idea what I want to, you know, how to talk to Shirley, which is kind of funny because like they're around the same age, I'm pretty sure. But yeah. it's just like, and I guess at the same time, they have nothing, you know, Shirley's a church going lady with two kids and in, you know, gone through a divorce. And Jeff is this hotshot, you know, cool, single, you know, acting like an alpha male lawyer. And so like, they don't really have much to communicate about, but they end up kind of creating this friendship out of, you know, Jeff really just in the desire to, to rip on Vaughn, which is kind of funny. And then we have Annie kind of using her friendships uh, using friendships with Troy and Abed for her experiment. And I want to ask you something. Did you notice? So there's this little moment where when Troy breaks and it's used as comedy, like, you know, she's he's like, what are, you, what are you doing, Annie? Like, we've been here for three hours. I'm so bored. It's, you know, like the whole thing. Did you notice like a little bit of that while Troy is breaking, they flip the camera on Annie and like she goes from like intrigued to like kind of heartbroken. Yeah. There's like the, there's like a brief moment in there where she's like, Ooh, like it, it's just like that 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 visual of like oh i kind of feel bad about this maybe i shouldn't have done this but obviously the experiment continues and i just kind of like that idea of like she she kind of recognizes oh wow i kind of used my friendships in this to for my own personal gain and again you know she didn't know the consequences or whatever and probably didn't like really think that forward but obviously with the with the annie and abed thing where Abed was uh, Abed eventually broke them and <laughs> and it's kind of neat where Abed's like well that's you said you know you said we were friends that's what friends do right friends are there for each other and you know help each other and it's kind of like this really convicting moment for Annie uh but I I, I thought that was kind of added to the theme there and then also Jeff using friendship as a reason to kind of stay close to Britta um, obviously, Jeff is still into Britta in this at this point in the series, and as she kind of gets to know Vaughn, he's like, "Oh, let me let me protect her from Vaughn." But he's he's in again, he's trying to he's playing the part of a friend, but he doesn't want to be that level of friend as we see later in the episode, where he's like, "Yeah, I don't want to hear about the guys you date and stuff like that." And so it's kind of this weird thing of like he wants to be, you know really close to Britta, but at the same time, he doesn't want to be that close to Britta, but obviously he, he wants to be romantically close to Britta, and it's like this whole thing of he doesn't really understand what he wants. What about you, Ethan? What do you got? Well, I don't know if I can really top that, because that's kind of what I was going for as well. I, I think friendship is a big um, theme in this episode, and, and throughout the first season as well, and I think adding on to what you said about like this episode being about using using friendships, I think it's a good way to put that um, but also on top of that, like we do see, yes, we see like Jeff using his friendship with Shirley, like kind of for like bad reasons. Um, and you know, uh, there's kind of underlying motive, like they are friends, but like there is, it isn't, there's not really good things happening because they're gossiping about Vaughn and, you know, it's kind of a toxic friendship, I guess. But at the same time, like we do see them like develop that relationship by the end of this episode, like they realize that they can be friends like that. Will, that's what makes their friendship great. Like they, they both like gossiping about people. And it gives them a chance to, um, and you know, like obviously not like a great quality to have. Like that's just Shirley's character; she's a gossip. And like I still think seeing that friendship between Jeff and Shirley blossom, you know, we haven't seen it up to this point, and we don't really see it a lot throughout the show. Like you're right; they are close to the same age. It gets brought up, like honestly, a lot where Sh Shirley is defensive and says, "Hey, Sh Jeff and I are the same age; are close to the same age." But for two people that are very different, as you said, 
um, a mom of you know two boys versus like a hotshot single lawyer that they can still have a friendship and find some kind of connection and grow a relationship. And then same for like Annie and Abed, where Annie is, she's young, she's just out of high school. She's a go-getter, but she's also very insecure and is trying to grow past who she was as a high schooler and her, you know, her Annie Adderall identity. <laughs> and Abed, who's just this, you know, quiet, but kind of kooky guy who's very likable, kind, loyal guy. And they don't really seem like they, you know, you don't look at them and, and, and identify that those are going to be friends. But like we see that friendship develop in this episode where by the end of it, you know, Abed tells Annie that he came to the experiment just because, you know, he thought they were, she said that they were friends and he wanted to be loyal to her. And Annie kind of has that realization that she kind of used him. But even if it takes some, you know, some lessons learned to get there, like we see two friendships and relationships develop that we didn't previously see through the show. And I, I think that's a great part of this episode is just finding friendships with people who you might've taken for granted previously. You know, Jeff probably didn't look at Shirley as somebody who he'd ever really have a relationship with because they're similar ages, but they're at different stages in life. You know, they're close in age, but like neither one of them have like, they're both like complete opposites basically. And same for like Annie and Abed, they're closer in age, maybe a little bit similar in like stage of life, but they're just different personalities. But the, pers- the people that we might take for granted or overlook sometimes can end up being great friends if we let, you know, make it work, you know, and, and can, and find those common grounds and build those connections. Sometimes people are just underappreciated, you know, uh, we don't appreciate, appreciate people enough and uh, we're missing out on some, I think, good friendships, good relationships with people that we don't give a chance. That felt like a ending of like a community episode. That was good. I, you know, I just imagine like, like that was good and actually kind of speaking of that too like the funny thing and i'll I'll bring up annie and abed and and, uh shirley and uh jeff here but like jeff and shirley are kind of like kind of both a little vindictive kind of both a little like calculated and because we see like shirley you know she plants a business along the way she's she's willing to you know stab some people behind the you know in the back in some certain situations like they're both kind of calculated and and really you know kind of willing to do what, what they need to do to kind of get things done and like kind of like you said like you know until you get to know somebody you don't know oh they kind of think the way i think um in a lot of ways and kind of with the annie and op-ed thing too where it's like we know with annie's backstory like she was a nerd and in a lot of ways she was a victim of just bullying and just not being one of the cool people. And then like Abed, we know that for a fact that, you know, he's kind of weird and socially awkward and not, you know, just an observer, not really a, an active player. And we kind of, and we, you know, yeah, like you said, we kind of see both those relationships really kind of get their first bit of water and sunlight there. Extra credit in this episode. So this is kind of funny, but Britta and Vaughn, they have like, this little micro conversation when they when we first both see them on screen and it reminds me of something that they do in rick and morty which in rick and morty there's always like a bunch of like little background conversations like in party scenes or whatever and there's one in particular it's it's just it you know it's the, obviously with rick and morty it's like a bunch of aliens and stuff like that and it'll be like don't put a schmoopy doop and a loopy schmoop in the same place and like one guy's like yeah for sure and it's just like <laughs> it's just funny how like that something that Darren Harmon did in 2009 is actually, you know, still affecting his work now. And the conversation they have is kind of funny. Cause like, it's about like pandas. Like, Vaughn's like, and I told the panda to put his pants down and like, there it is. Like, panda. like and it's just like having this weird, like conversation about like the sexuality of pandas, which is just like very, like it, again, it's very like Dan Harmon background conversation kind of thing. I thought that was great. And then, you probably, I think you, know, you might've saw this too, but the Lu, the Louis Guzman statue at the end was kind of funny. And it's like, oh yeah, like <laughs> we know that. <laughs> what yeah, you got? That, that Luis Guzman statue, I I noticed that at the, you know, it's like the ending of this episode, it actually is doesn't get unveiled until the next episode. So a little bit of a weird like continuity error. We see okay. the statue, but in the next episode of the show, we actually see the statue um, get unveiled. So kind of odd, but it, it's kind of funny. Um, and yeah, the Luis Guzman statue is a great part of the show. I love his appearance later in the show. But something I noticed in this episode, it's the first time we see Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> I had to go back and look at that, but it's the first appearance of Garrett 
one of my favorite characters in this show just because he's got so many great lines and he's hilarious. And then the, Yvonne. So I just, I want to shout out Eric Christian Olsen plays Vaughn. He's the actor. I knew him before I watched the show. He used to, he was in NCIS Los Angeles, which was an okay show, but like I, I watched it quite a bit growing up. Um, it was one of those shows, NCIS, NCIS Los Angeles, Criminal Minds, like those like crime shows. Um, he was in that and he was like a kind of similar, like I feel like if, if Vaughn became a cop, that's what basically like his character in the show was. Wasn't so much like a hippie, but was just kind of like this goofy, like he's smart, but like kind of like also a doofus and like kind of the comedic relief a little bit. I feel like he plays the hippie character really well though, because he has that look. And I, I, I mean, he's kind of like, you, you're not supposed to like him because he's, you know, like Jeff's enemy, so to speak, in terms of his pursuit of Britta. But he's also, I don't know, he's kind of likable. I think you just kind of feel like he's just this weird, like he fits in with the college scene well. You know, he likes to play hacky sack. Um, probably likes to do, get high. He's got tiny nipples, you know. So like, it's, he's just, <laughs> he's an interesting character. And I, I don't know, he's just, I, I think for him to be like the love interest for Britta and like that kind of antagonist for Jeff, like early on in the show, I, I like the dynamic just because like Jeff and, and Vaughn are so different. I think Vaughn's a pretty good character. I mean, again, you're not really supposed to like him, but in like the same time, I think that means he's playing the character well if you don't like him. So shout out to Eric Christian Olsen, the actor. A plus lines uh, or scenes. This one still cracks up my brother and I, but when Chang in the study, he says, what, community college professor can't make 80 bucks? <laughs> we, uh, my brother and I still laugh about that. The experiment itself, especially how confident Duncan acts to the, the research participants or the, the research uh, developers with him, where he's like, we're going to have a good old fashioned, like crazy off. He's like, boom, like just doing the fake shotgun. <laughs> like, like just, he's just like <laughs> such in his element. It's just so funny. And like, it's kind of funny too. Cause like Duncan, he kind of shrinks like in the first, in the pilot, we see Duncan and Jeff communicate a lot and, and in the same spaces a lot. And he kind of shrinks in those situations and in different situations throughout the series, he shrinks, but in this, like with amongst his, like in his element and then when he's doing research, he's just so confident and it's kind of fun to see him kind of act a little bit of a different way in this. Oh, and then Jeff talking to Britta about the friend zone. This was, I thought at, at first I was just going to bring up the one line, but that whole little section, it's probably just a one minute scene, but I think that really worked in the sense of like, it's a real uh, showing of like kind of what the friend zone looks like, where like, I want to be a friend with you, but you you know, I want to be with something more. And he, he says that line, is there, is there a space between on the, on the, on the friendship spectrum between straight, total stranger and not hearing about the guys you date. And I remember just writing to myself in my line, like relatable, Ooh, relatable. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh. What about you? Yeah, that, that's a great exchange. Uh, and I mean, you, you kind of feel for Jeff because we know at this point that he's chasing Britta, but I, it's a good I don't want to say, I mean, it is growth. Like we obviously know that the, the dynamic between Jeff and Britta, like that's going to get flushed out more throughout the, sh the, the first season. It's like, it's not done, but like, at least for this episode, you know, he, he takes kind of takes the L, but like there is kind of like some hope in that where she still wants to be friends too. And it, it is, again, it's weird. We talked about this in the first episode. It's weird seeing first episode Britta from everything else, because in the first episode, she really doesn't seem to like Jeff at all. Mm -hmm. she kind of gets some respect for him but she really doesn't seem to like him because she sees through his fake act basically and sees him for who he is and then all of a sudden like in the second episode and the third episode and, like now she is okay with being friends like they have a really good relationship and a good friendship it's just odd to see that and but i do like that that scene with jeff and britta because i think that's kind of relatable for anybody who's who's kind of been in that spot where you've had somebody who you know you you're friends with but you also have those feelings for it's a hard part of life but we all we all go through it at some point uh, other things that i i really enjoyed from this episode in terms of lines there's a I, I think it's troy that says it i don't remember i didn't write it down i can't remember who says it but it's it's during the experiment scene he, 
And he says, when you say something starts at nine, it starts at Nueve. Actually, I think it's Chang. Now that I say that, it's it's a Chang line. Yep. <laughs> it says, when you say something starts at nine, it starts at Nueve. Like, you know, and I'm, that's relatable to me because I hate when stuff doesn't start on time. Like, if oh, it starts so, at yeah, nine, so. if you say it starts at nine, you better start at nine. You yeah. know, like family dinners, <laughs> if they say we're eating at five, if it's 5.15 and we're still like sitting around talking, like, I'm going to be mad. So I just, yeah. that line was relatable <laughs> to me too. And the whole Chang meltdown is honestly a great, I think it's probably the best scene like of this episode. And we haven't seen Chang, like we didn't see him in episode three at all. I don't think we see him a little bit in this one, but again, he steals the show and he's like a great actor. And then like Duncan's meltdown too, when he kind of at the end is like throwing a fit. I think those, like those both, those scenes show just how great John Oliver and uh, Ken Jeong are at like the acting because they, they can deliver great lines that we see throughout the show where they just have very great like delivery, but like then like kind of the physical comedy of like their breakdowns is also great it's like it just kind of makes yep. them like just well-rounded actors i love that abed sees himself as phoebe because he yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> he and Annie have that that conversation where he's like I always saw us as more of like a chandler and phoebe we don't really have any kind of like storylines and then <laughs> she, she says something he's like all right uh something about he calls her chandler basically and says she's chandler yeah. i just it's such an innocent like oh i hope you chandler he sees yeah. as phoebe but like honestly like i thought about that afterwards like I, I kind of like see it like he does definitely seem like a Phoebe they're both kind of eccentric characters kind of misunderstood but lovable and you kind of you know they're they're weird but like you also can kind of relate to them because they're their own person and they don't really care when anybody else thinks about them um I, I just love it it's such an innocent like aw moment you know like you're surely an any aw and then you know you mentioned earlier uh the whole Troy and his obsession with butts, and it's it's kind of like a weird. There's a couple of other lines I feel like throughout the show where Troy mentions like stuff about butts, and he mm-hmm. when he's having his breakdown, like earlier in the episode, obviously he asks like, do they are is there gonna be butt stuff? Do they pay you extra if they do stuff to your butts? He's just like very obsessed with it. And then during his breakdown, I, I don't know if you caught it, but like when he's running out of the room, he says you prompt or not running out of the room, but I guess like crawling out of the room, he says you promise butt stuff. Like that he's crying, like yelling that I just, I don't know. It was funny to hear him say that again, just cause it's, it's, I don't know what, I know what the, what the, uh, what the joke is about, but it's just a funny thing that Troy is so like, that's kind of his thing that they talk about a lot with him. And then another great line, last one for me, whenever Garrett gets up to leave the experiment, Duncan tells him, go kill John Lennon, you loser. I lost it at that line because I, Eric, not Garrett. Oh my gosh. Garrett looks like the guy who killed John Lennon. I don't know if you've ever looked up the guy, the the man who killed John Lennon, Mark David Chapman. If you have time, look up the picture sometime. Like he looks exactly like Garrett. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which I, I, you know, I watching before I watched the show, I'd seen pictures of this guy. And so when you see Garrett and he says that line, like, oh my gosh, they look exactly alike. It's just a funny, it's a kind of a dark line, but it's, it's funny. Um, it, it works. It's hilarious. Gosh, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to look that up after this. That's great. If there was a, a movie about John Lennon and Mark David Chapman, they, they got to get the guy who plays Eric uh, or Garrett. Oh my yeah. gosh. I think his name is Eric, the actor. They got to get him to play Mark David Chapman. Leading the class, best of the Greendale 7. I'd say, and this happens throughout the series, sometimes, again, with an ensemble cast, there's not like a particular actor or particular performance that really stands out. And in those situations, since like Jeff kind of does the most in the series, he's kind of like the Tony Soprano of the series, I'd probably say Jeff for this episode where, again, it's kind of like, last episode as a whole where good things not necessarily great things but just consistent solid uh so i'd probably go jeff there what about you yeah i, I don't know if there's really a character that you know gives me a lot of um, stands out i guess above the rest i'd say maybe annie just because of the development we see in her friendship with abed and then just even from the beginning of this ep- this episode to the end where she's she really cares about getting in on this class because she's, you know, obviously she's the character that wants straight A's. She wants as much experience and she wants to learn as much as she can. She's kind of a teacher's pet. She really wants to be in this experiment with Duncan, right? And so she's asking Troy and Ovid to be in this experiment to get people to come so that she can, you know, look better to Professor Duncan. And then obviously at the end of it, she's learned, you know, that she kind of took advantage of Abed and Troy and she kind of feels bad and that kind of strengthens the relationship. She, she understands that Abed sees her as a friend and he, you know, he trusts her and he's, you know, he likes being friends with her. And I, I think she's kind of, because she gets her own storyline in this one for the first time, really, I think in the show so far, I, I think she stands out just because it's kind of her first 
big shot in the show where we kind of start to see her more as a character and her interactions with you know Duncan and and Troy and Abed. There's there's some great moments and some great acting there from Allison Brie. And lastly, Martin Red. I think we both have the same thing on this one, but the opening again. I feel like I should have maybe like done some research on this because I feel like that was just like a storyline that they dropped because they liked something else. But the opening where Chang, <laughs> which is a great Chang scene, uh, but when he's like, but there was one comment, so cruel and racist, and I love how like they just use like racism in this show. Like it, it's funny, but. <laughs> But he, and then he obviously points out Annie and like gives her like a creepy kiss on the forehead, which I love the, I love the idea of that scene. And I think it's a really funny like scene, but at the same time, they don't do anything with it. There's no consequences to it. Do you remember that? And yeah, what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, that, that scene was a bit of a, it was kind of hard to watch. I, I do think it kind of seems out of place and it's, it's the cold open kind of scene. So like, you know, I, I kind of get there just throwing it in there to like show chang being crazy but like most of the other episodes of the series when they have like the cold open uh it usually has to do with the plot of the episode and like we don't see anything else about this ever come out again like where annie is writing this this uh critique of chang and you know i love chang i love the character and i love how crazy he is but the whole him being in her face and then he kisses her forehead it's not even like that it's like a creepy like why is he kissing her because like it's supposed to be funny of like he's like i don't know it's just but it doesn't work for some reason for me it's just it's weird it's a weird scene it's kind of bizarre it doesn't really it feels out of place in this episode i, I feel like it would work better in one of like the later episodes where we see chang more like prominently featured as like especially when his like his side of a teacher starts he starts to become more like part of the story i feel like it would have worked better with that it just it doesn't really fit with the rest of the episode Another thing here, which I went way too deep on this mentally, because I remember watching this, we talked about this earlier with Vaughn, where you mentioned this earlier, where Vaughn's supposed to be the kind of annoying, unknowingly lame stoner. And it's kind of this weird thing of like, he's, again, we're not necessarily supposed to like him because he's kind of Jeff's adversary in this. But like, at the same time, he doesn't do anything specifically unlikable, where it's like, he doesn't, he's not mean to Britta or mean to anybody in the seven. We don't see him like being mean to, you know, random people or whatever. And it's kind of this weird thing where, you know, we've seen this character before. He's the earthy, you know, like 2003 California cool. Like he's, he's the cool side of weed smoking. He's the cool side of, of, you know, of that kind of guy in college. And, but at the same time, he just, it's just like, just bothers me. And it's like, it's one of those things in the episode where I'm like, am I supposed to not like him or am I, am I supposed to be rooting for Jeff or am I supposed to like have this moment of like, Oh no, Jeff is, is, is the, is the one that needs to change because he's the one that's being bitter and not being a good friend and all this. And, and again, like with Vaughn, it's one of those things for me where like he's unknowingly lame. So um, I remember I met this one kid. It was like, uh, so it was me and a group of friends like we all went to church and afterwards we had lunch or whatever and this one guy who i wasn't friends with my friends invited him he was like oh man what a what a great message today and like he just it was just the guy was just i mean you can smell the bible college off him like he he just he was just fresh out of there and he was like he pulled out his phone and like started to read like this whole thing about like the medical definitions and the medical like explanation of like the the Roman crucifix. And I literally left the car. I was like, I have to use the restroom. I just got up and left and like was gone for like five minutes. Like he's probably done now. Just walked back. I'm like, it was like that kind of thing where like he's, he was so like unknowingly, like, like unknowingly lame and like just kind of annoying. And <laughs> it was one of those things where like, you know, if in, like in the show, like when they kind of crush Vaughn with like when they read his letter, it's like, oh, like I kind of feel bad for Vaughn. Like he didn't deserve that. And he's kind of walks away like a puppy dog. It's like the same thing. Like if I were to call that guy out and like, hey, OK, I know you want to hijack your conversation for just to prove something. I don't know. But like stop reading your whole thing on the medical background of the Roman crucifix and just enjoy your lunch. He would have been like ow, what the heck? And, you know, people would have been like mad at me. I'm like, hey, he pulled it out of me. I don't, I, I don't want to be here, you know? But it's just kind of this weird thing with Vaughn. But like you said, the fact that I probably don't like him a little bit is probably a sign of good acting, a good written character. So that's, <laughs> I spent way too much think, time thinking about that, but go no, ahead. No, I think that's, I think that's supposed to be part of the character is like he's supposed to be lame. Like you're, because I think 
for his character in this storyline, I think we're supposed to see Vaughn as like, he's obviously very, I mean, he's, he's supposed to be lame, a lame guy. And I think that's the whole Jeff is struggling. Why is Britta after this guy? Not me. I, I think it's just, it's there to help the story move along. But I mean, there's also some, some comedic parts of that where we, we all probably know somebody. I mean, not exactly the same personality of like into the same things as Vaughn, but we've all been around somebody who they're just, we kind of lame. And, you know, you, you kind of feel for them, but at the same time, it's kind of like you're just scratching your head. What's what's going on? And I, I think that's kind of what he serves to be. I don't think you're really supposed to. Again, you're not supposed to like Vaughn, I don't think, but I don't think you're supposed to, like, hate him. He's not, like, a bad guy. Uh, I'd say also for me in this episode, something that I – well, really, just the whole episode, I guess. I just There's nothing, like, specifically. I just – this episode doesn't really work for me. I'm not a huge fan of this one something about the whole like Vaughn and Britta and like th that plot with with Jeff it's just it's a weak plot um and with him and Shirley and like the gossip I, I don't know it just it's the whole episode feels really weak it doesn't really feel like there's anything that like carries it besides like the Chang like breakdown scene which is like funny for comedic effect but like overall in terms of like plot and storyline I mean you get that that friendship development between Annie and Abed which I talked about and and that kind of that growth too between like Britta and Jeff were like, we're kind of seeing their relationship change a little bit. I mean, those are strong, like there's obviously importance there for the rest of the series, but overall as an episode, it, it's probably one of my least favorites from season one, just in terms of it's pretty slow, kind of boring. Not a lot of, I feel like anything redeeming out of it that makes me, you know, remember it. And the experiment, the same thing, like the plot for the Duncan experiment, like it's funny, but overall it's just kind of a weak episode. I feel like, I don't know if you agree or not, but it, this episode just kind of on low on my list for season one, I guess. Well, I'll, t I'll tell you what I had this in my in my head. This episode was better than when I rewatched it because in my head I was like, oh yeah, the Duncan experiment episode, and yeah, that was that was good. And I remember watching that and like, oh, I'm just not laughing as much as I thought I was going to, and I don't, I don't, I'm not laughing as much as I one predicted, but also one remembered. It was weird. So as I, as I was watching this, I was like, okay, this is not quite what I thought it was going to be. And yet, I, overall, I agree with you. It wasn't, it just, yeah, it wasn't as strong. Again, I might be the victim of my own expectations, but yeah, it wasn't a very strong episode. I agree there. We got Anything some better else? episodes coming up though, so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, so you were, were you looking ahead a little bit? Just a little bit, you know, I was just trying to like remember kind of how the first season goes. Uh, you know, I didn't want to peek ahead too much, but I was just trying to see, especially because after this one, it's kind of a disappointment of an episode. It's just, it's so weak. I don't know. But yeah, there's there's some stuff on the horizon. You know, there's some other good ones in the first season that, that keep it going. So I can forgive this one a little bit.